Hi, everyone, and welcome to this special episode of the Passive House Podcast, recorded in Terrytown, New York, at the FiasCon 2021 Passive House Conference. Before we get started, I want to thank Fias for putting on the conference and for coordinating with us on these interviews, as well as NYSERDA for serving as conference partner with Fias and community partner with us here at the Passive House Accelerator. Thank you, too, to Rockwell North America, their generous support underwrote all of these interviews as well as our coverage of the conference. With that, please enjoy my interview with Tom Bassadilli of TBD Architects. All right, welcome. We have Tom Bassadilli of TBDA with us here to uh, talk about the conference, uh, talk about his work, and I'm really excited to have a chance to chat with you. Thanks. I'm excited to be here, man. You've been doing so much for this community, and it's well, uh, fabulous. And you have been um, really helping with that with presentations and, and, uh, and part of the kind of experts that come together and, and um, share their knowledge and ask questions. And so, You know, it's funny because the first conference I went to was 2011, I think, Urbana, it, you know, a while ago. Yeah. And... I was just on the start of it, you know, and looking to everybody else as these experts. And I still kind of feel that way, you know, even though I've done a lot of it. Yeah. I don't know. This is one of those things that you don't just sort of master and you're the, you know, everything. And, um, made a lot of mistakes, learned, uh, made a lot of successes too. Yeah. But yeah, it's just constantly a learning process and it's great. Yeah. So you just uh, won a couple of awards. That yeah. Be, uh, tell us about that. <laughs> well, it's funny. Last night, um, they said they created an award, the Institutional Retrofit. And I thought, yeah, we're probably not a lot of those. You right. know? So created an award for your award. For our right? project. Yeah. To be able to award it. <laughs> That's the second award yeah. for that project. If we got an honorable mention yeah. also in oh, the Source okay. Zero. So yeah. it's a Source Zero project, which is a really interesting thing in Illinois. There's this uh, Clean Energy Community Foundation that awards grants to nonprofit entities or municipal entities um, that want to pursue net zero. And they used to award it for just LEED, and then eventually they raised the bar to LEED Platinum. And now we have to be a, a net zero building, and you have to get either FIAS or living building certification. So, yeah, that project was interesting because the Park District approached us to do an addition and retrofit, well, just an addition, and leave the old building alone. And when we got done, and got, well, we got done with schematic design and got some pricing, some budget pricing, the board said, well, why can't we do better? You just, you know, why can't we do like one of these net zero buildings like Tom just did for us right. a couple of years ago? And they said, well, okay. So we went back to the foundation and said, can we do the grant? And they, so we applied for the grant. Got it. And so for a $1.7 million construction, we got about $577,000 to take it beyond just leaving the old part of the building alone and building this addition to fully retrofitting the old part to Passive House standards and building the new part to Passive House standards, about 7,000 square feet total. So, So that was exciting for everybody. And the retrofit was a huge portion of that money, you know, because that hasn't been in the project. So, um, yeah, so that program really has helped jumpstart in these kind of net zero and FIAS projects. So, yeah, we, um, we're way overproducing solar, but it's kind of becomes community solar yeah. in a sense, you know, for the park district. Right. And um, 
and yeah, what's, and one of the most gratifying things I'll say about the project is that when we looked at the monitor results, I asked the park district, are you guys not programming much because of COVID? And they said, no, it's just the opposite. Because this is a passive house and the air quality is so good, we're shifting our programming to this building because everybody wants to be in it. And I was like, yes, that is, that's that so is nice. Story. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, it's true. When I go into all the passive house buildings we've done, we've done about, oh, I don't know, a 10 or so at this point. Um, I always notice the air quality and just yeah. it just smells better, you know. And so I'm finally doing my own house this year, a decarbonization project. Um, and that's a retrofit, which is the other presentation I made um, at the conference. And I'm not quite taking it to Passive House standards, but Graham and uh, others are talking about what should that be. And so this new pilot program for retrofits, Graham Wright of Fias, yeah, yeah, who was on the panel with me yesterday remotely, unfortunately. I wish he was here in person. Um, but, um, but yeah, so I am getting the ventilation, I am getting the continuous insulation, so I'm hopefully going to have one of those good smelling houses here pretty soon. That's <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know if you saw the Rocky Mountain Institute report right after COVID started and everybody's inside and cooking and all this kind of stuff and they're reporting on, uh, gas cooking and the, and the toxicity of it. And, um, basically saying, you know, we, the EPA regulates air quality outside but not inside and it's more toxic in homes where you're doing a lot of cooking you don't have good ventilation which was my house 1919 even though we put in the stove the range hood you know i got one of those air quality monitors and i was shocked what happens with the co2 and the vocs when we cook and that's not measuring all the well it does have a, a pm 2.5 monitor but it breaks the they that's not an inexpensive sensor if you get a good one so ours just Basically, I think dust gets in it and it just spikes and it stays spiked because oh. we're. <laughs> I know we don't have a constantly filthy environment, but right. anyway, right. so we don't even know what's happening with with that when we cook. But anyway, now with the the serve being installed uh, plus our exhaust over the stove, well, now we're cooking with induction, so it's a different thing. Yeah. So yeah. we're electric. Yeah. What else? What other key insights are you will you or did you share? I guess was the retrofit presentation uh, was yesterday. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, the retrofit presentation focused on five projects that we're doing right now where clients came to us asking for a deep energy retrofit or net zero. Um, actually, oh, well, so one, two, two clients said, I want you to take my house and turn it to net zero energy, annual energy. Um, one of those was a Frank Lloyd Wright house in Oak Park where I live, which was like one of those like, oh, my God, what are we going to do with this that's, project? Yeah, yeah that's kind of yeah, yeah. Um, and a flat roof, so we can hide the solar, basically. You don't see it from the street. Um, and one of them, the owner just said, we need to gut this house. Uh, it's a brick two flat. We need to gut the house um, because the previous people had let it really deteriorate, and it was smelly and deteriorating, and all the finishes were bad. So um, we wound up doing a deep energy retrofit on that. Didn't really ask for it, but, you know... Um, Anyway, on all of these, we're looking at how well we can do with the envelope and what are the stumbling blocks to getting to FIAS. For instance, in a 1970 uh, ranch, the slab is in good shape. There's a capillary break underneath it. Um, it's expensive to take it out. There's a lot of embodied energy to put in a new slab. 
And when we looked at the energy difference in terms of solar panels, it was seven, diff seven solar panels if we did our kind of good retrofit, um, seven less solar panels if we took it all the way to Passive House, which would re require removing that slab and insulating. Right. So, so we're, we're looking at all these projects in terms of what are the, what are the difficulties, what are the, in, in these different typologies, you know, Frank Lloyd Wright is, is an outlier, but um, my house, a 1919 frame bungalow is, I think there's a lot of those around or houses similar to that. Um, the brick two flat in Chicago, that's a typology that just throughout the whole city. Um, and in all of these, there are issues that uh, make it extremely difficult to get to the heating metrics of the FIAS um, criteria for certification. So my question or proposal is, can we figure out a way to modify the requirements where we're still striving for air tightness and avoiding thermal bridges and getting good ventilation um, and reducing our loads as much as we can, um, but being able to accommodate these, these weird things that are unique on, on so many different typologies or house to house, even within the same typology. Um, the reason being is that I think we know we need to scale up retrofits massively. And certainly, at least at the outset, the skills that go into a passive house, you know, the energy modeling, the building science knowledge, and the implementation with quality control, so essential. I mean, how else are we going to do it? It takes so much knowledge to do a retrofit right that I want this community to be involved. And that, I think, would mean adapting the retrofit standard to be able to allow it. Right. Now, I, I think it's going to be a little bit of a challenge for FIA staffing-wise because, I mean, that takes a lot of time and energy. Um, yeah. But when we calculate, we look at the, you know, 3.37 million housing units in Chicago that if we need to retrofit, let's say, 2 million of those by before 2050, um, to like 60, 70% energy reduction, that's 190 uh, houses a day from yeah. now until 2050. So <laughs> it's daunting, you know. Yeah. But we need at least at the start, I think, to have really good attention to the, the details, the modeling, the execution somehow so we can proliferate with this. Yeah, yeah Graham's presentation on our panel yesterday was really fascinating. What, the, where he started from is like, what is the ideal? So it's like in the passive house world, thinking about it from like a living future, uh, building, li living building challenge kind of thing. Like, what is the I ideal? Yeah. Ideal building, the building is like a flower, you know, it provides, it, anyway, from an energy standpoint, he said the ideal is that there's, there's zero carbon throughout the entire supply chain of this building. All the materials that come, all the people that work on it, all of its operation, you know, so that's where we want to get to. Um, and so if you're, if you're weighing the carbon content of your interventions, I mean, this is where I start thinking about that slab. Right. And, and, you know, I know from a dollar standpoint that I'm money ahead to put those solar panels on and not tear out the slab and do, you know, some foam insulation and some, you know, I mean, no question I'm dollars ahead, but I think I'm also probably carbon ahead. But I, I haven't made that calculation to say that with yeah. confidence, but yeah. that's, I think, where we're kind of going to. Yeah. 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 
And you know, it's it's funny because the the five projects I presented, there's a, a like a McMansion from 2000. This this woman, she's a young doctor, and she called me to say I want to go net zero on this. I'm like, you know, this isn't going to make financial sense. She said, I know, I don't care. I'm I want to do this for moral reasons. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> you know. So we're we are so so fortunate as a firm to have clients like this, you know. The Frank Lloyd Wright one was uh, was fascinating because it was it was kind of similar. It's like I want to show people who have income that you can live better with lower carbon. It's not about giving up things. It's about you know. I mean, one good example is in the last polar vortex we had, she couldn't get her bedroom above about fifty three degrees. You know, all these. It's just ringed with these gorgeous single glazed windows, yeah, right. which are just condensing and this and it's ruining the structure, you know. So first thing we did for phase one was was interior retrofit storm windows, which the contractor was just I mean restoration contractor, done a lot of Frank Lloyd Wright work and uh, beautiful craftsmanship, um, seamless, well, fairly seamless, you know, with the with the existing and these little hidden um, you know, neoprene gaskets, you know, and yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so we're doing a basically a five-year uh, on that one. And that's the other topic that I wanted to throw to Fias is like, can we figure out a way to make this retrofit standard allow for phasing? Because um, some of the work, I think, should be when things get to the end of their service life. Right. You know? Just the classic, like, it's so much more cost-effective to do retrofits in that manner. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But right now, our standard doesn't allow for phasing. Interfit does, um, I think. Uh, I haven't had experience with it, but, um, yeah. So so I, I think these things are coming, and, and coming soon. And I'm, I'm so uh, keyed up to have this community attacking this problem, because there's a lot of that knowledge here, and you know, cold climates for sure. It's what we got to do. Yeah, yeah, here, here. Well, Tom, this has really been a great conversation. I appreciate your time. Thanks. Is there anything else you want to add before we close up? You know, I guess, I guess, just one thing. Um, when Eric was talking, you know, from well, he wasn't talking as a DOE guy, right. but uh, building science boogie band. Exactly, yeah, a boogie <laughs> band. Um, I just, during that whole session, uh, there's a different energy to this conference. And, I, and it's not just because of COVID and the break. I just feel like with our weather events of the last year, I mean, it's it's like, it, it's more than a sense of urgency. It, it, you know what I mean? I, I uh, <laughs> The Illinois Green Alliance gave me a, a, a nice award, the Emerald Award, which they give, you know, every year, uh, nice. a few, few weeks ago in, in Chicago. And on the way... There, I had, I had gotten home from being out on a trip. Um, there were like crises going on my project. Uh, there was a plumbing clog that I was trying to deal with, and yeah. I can't take a shower. So, driving off to uh, um, the award, we get rear ended on the way there. You know what I mean? It's like, so we get to the party, you know, and there's in this wonderful, and I, you know, give up and I give an award speech, and I'm saying, you know, I think it's a perfect metaphor for an architect working on climate change, you know, getting rear-ended on the way to the party. It's like, it's like, yeah. you know, yeah. climate is going to hammer us yeah. and we have to just keep that's going right. to the party, that's you know? Right. So that's, that's right. kind of what I'm feeling here. It's like, oh my God, but let's keep doing it. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, so thank you. Yeah.